0: Up in my city on roof, yeah. Duke, when about hoop, eh.
1: the Providence College Friars. For the
0: crossover.
1: Oh. The big east back.
2: The rest of the college hoops the world setting
0: the screen, guns twisting his way in,
2: this is the Providence Crier Podcast. With your host, a PC
0: grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself. Mike Surratt! Man up in my on the
1: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Province Crier podcast. I'm your host, Mike Surrett, the Province Crier. Follow me on Twitter. That's at Province Crier. Read our blog, theprovidencecrier.com. And join with me is B.O.C. Follow him at B.O.C. all day. Uh, today is Monday, January 25th. And the friars are, are, are coming off, you know, no two other ways to put it, a hell week uh, with the tall task of having to go on the road, take on number 11 Creighton uh, on Wednesday, and then to turn around, go to Philadelphia uh, for a 2.30 tip on Saturday against number three Villanova. Um, you know, By now, you all probably know they split uh, the set, which I think if you talked to us going into this thing, I think we would have taken, but lot to break down. Uh, BOC. Uh, in initial opening thoughts on, on the Friars' uh, two games this past week.
2: Yeah. Thanks, Mike. We're, we're all prisoners of the moment, right? And I think everybody was a little bit upset with the loss against Villanova. Not so much that we lost against Villanova, but I guess how we lost with uh, a lead going into half and then kind of getting our doors blown off in the second half. And It's upsetting, but they are, they are a, a top five team in the nation for a reason. And – We made too many mistakes against them and uh, we pay the price. But to your point, looking back to the past week, if you were to say we were playing against the number 11 and number three team both on the road uh, and we were to split there, I think uh, all fans, whether you're an optimist, you're a pessimist, or whether you're a realist, would say that's that's a victory in and of itself as we push towards the NCAA tournament. So a lot of positives, a few negatives, um, but in summation, one and one against Nova and Creighton both on the road, you take that all day.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like you said, it's kind of just the way it went down. Um, You know, when, when, especially the fact that you beat Creighton first, and then you're going into Saturday, you're on the road at number three Villanova, you get those two wins, you're vaulted in in the net rankings. And like you said, in, in your preview article uh, you're literally in the running for an NCAA tournament bid. And um you know, and to have have the way they played the first half where they kind of played a slow, grinded-out game, which would have been probably the recipe that you would have wanted against Villanova, um, and then the second half for everything just to fall apart. It's like you were so close to getting um, two signature wins in a row. So, But, yeah, I think if, if you asked us going into it, one-on-one would have been a pretty – Like I would have taken that all day. Um, Few things that come out of this. uh, First of all, Alan Breed has been a revelation for the Friars these last two games. Um, You know, we, we saw glimpses of it. We saw glimpses of it against uh, Alabama where he just seems like he's a guy that belongs Um, very comfortable on the court. Um, You know, He can be aggressive when he wants to be. He picks the spots pretty well, I think. Um, And, you know, when he was thrust into the starting lineup, we talked about how it's, you know, a tough ask to just shove a freshman uh, into the starting five after not getting a ton of minutes leading up to that point. Um, So the first two games, he struggled. Uh, First two games as a starter, he only gets two points total. Um, But in these last two games, he, he was money, man. 15 points uh, against Creighton and 18 against Villanova. Also, crash the glass, which I know you
2: like. Yeah, I mean, not only did he put up numbers against Creighton and Villanova, two of the best teams in the Big East, he also did it against two of the best point guards in the Big East, and Zagorowski and Gillespie. And the thing that I, I love about him, besides the fact that he always seems composed on the court, is he takes it to those guys. Like, there's no um, – phrasing there's no deference because of their because of their titles as biggest preseason player of the year or first team all biggies from previous seasons he was taking it too zagarazzi and gillespie and you love to see that you need guys who want to attack because we have too many passive players who don't want to take that shot on our team so it's nice to see somebody even though they're a freshman take control and um he's doing everything really well like you talk about his rebounds 11 rebounds against nova six rebounds against creighton and he had seven assists total in those two games combined, which isn't all that great, but he only had two turnovers. Um, so if you have like a three and a half to one uh, assist to turnover ratio, that, that's fantastic. And he's, this is completely, we saw a glimpse of it against Bama uh, in garbage time, but it's a lot different when you're doing it, when you're starting the game for sure. and for him to do this um, against two teams that are potentially final four type teams, it's, it's a, uh, It's a revelation, and I think that's why I'm not too upset about the split with Creighton and Villanova, because one of the big takeaways on a positive side is the emergence of Breed, and I think we need to carry that forward in the rest of our games.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, kind of alluding to what you were saying, he gets to the line line for eight free-throw attempts against Creighton, um, and then against Villanova, um, he got to the line, let me see here, uh, for seven free-throw attempts. So that's 15 free-throw attempts. Uh, in two games for the freshman um, yeah like you said he was awesome and the tough part about it is you know you get that nice surprising boost from Breed unfortunately your star player David Duke isn't a bit of a funk right now um, he was he was really bad in the Nova game and I'm sure he would admit that um, he, he was just all, all over the place really trying to force the action um, he had Uh, six turnovers in the game couple that with five against Creighton um that's just way too high and then you know it it seemed like especially against Villanova uh Creighton I didn't think he forced it too too much um maybe that had to do with the fact that we were winning pretty much we were winning the entire game uh I believe um but uh in the Nova game, it just seemed like he, he was just forcing it way too hard.
2: Yeah, the um, you look at it you look at his numbers the past three games, you focus on Nova and Creighton, but even you look at Marquette, so Nova four of 17, one of six from three, creighton five of nineteen, Marquette five of eighteen. So he, he's not only not producing, um, but he's really inefficient at doing so. Um, and I think the problem is, and you know, Cooley's teams, always, Cooley's teams always start to peak in February or so. This team needs to find its identity. Um, and in the beginning of the season, it was just the Duke and Watson show, and you had to lean on them, and you had to lean on them. And if they didn't produce, we were screwed. That's not really the case anymore. Um, at least the past couple games, Reed has come on, as we've talked about. Nichols is starting to emerge as a surprising offensive option. Even though he makes a lot of boneheaded plays, he, he is doing well offensively. Duke needs to realize, like, even though he has all the accolades in the preseason, just let the game come to you, man. Like, take your time and realize uh, passing the ball to an open player is probably a better better uh, option than chucking up a contested, contested three. We don't need him to do everything. And once he realizes that, um, the team will just be better off because we are starting to see some offensive weapons emerge aside from just Duke and Watson.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you, you do got to give Duke a time Like you got to give him some credit though. I mean, in the Creighton game, although he didn't have a great game, we forget. He did have that big three, um, mm-hmm. uh, that bank shot three. Maybe it was a little lucky claims he called bank, but uh, you know, so, so we did have that. I mean, it, like these two games were a total loss, but yeah, I mean, it's just, just let the game come to you um, and don't try and force things. and we will be okay. And you know, you brought up Nichols. Uh, yeah. Nichols is raw and you see a lot of silly mistakes and just like, Oh my God, what was this guy doing? But at the same time, he, he is giving you a spark offensively. And I think defensively, you know, if, I kind of always get like a little nervous when a guy starts driving, driving to the hole against him. Cause you know, like he may commit a silly foul and one blah, blah, blah. But I, I think defensively, too, he's been solid enough. Um, his length does impact, you know, passing lanes. Um, uh, he hasn't been that great of a shot blocker, but, but I think his length does impact uh, on the defensive end for sure. And an interesting note about Nichols, in the Villanova game, Nichols picks up his fourth foul with 13 minutes to play. And the score is uh, a little over thirty nine. Providence thirty eight. Oh God! So they sit him on the bench, and and then Nova went off. So, uh, but that's
2: like that's the that's the issue, though. It's like it's not as if behind Nichols, there's nobody. They have right. they have Gant, who's a top was a top seventy five recruit. He's a sophomore. They have Horkler, who is a grad transfer these guys, even Monroe, to a certain extent, they should, Cooley and the staff should have these guys ready to play in a pinch. And for one guy to get in foul trouble in the front court, who wasn't even realistically an option at the beginning of the season, that's not a good sign. It just shows that the team isn't ready and isn't as deep. And um, we'll, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but it seems like we're getting some more clarity on the rotation, uh, especially when Bynum gets a bit healthier. But that's a, that's an interesting stat with Nichols. Um he makes a lot of silly plays. You, know, you call them like raw plays, which uh, will leave you scratching your head. But he has been a revelation on the offensive end, and uh, I think will continue to be so.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, and I believe he got he got like those two fouls like pretty quickly too. They to get him to four. I believe he had two and a half.
0: Yeah.
1: Um And so, yeah, I mean that was tough, but. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's emerged, Breed's emerged, so you definitely like what you see there. Um, one other thing I'll say, I-, I do think the Friars have kind of found their def- defensive identity again, though, which is huge. Um, you know, when you have guys like Watson and and uh, Duke that, that are very potent offensively, you know, outside of this three-game stretch here for Duke, but um, – you know, Watson was massive against Creighton, career-high 29 points. He struggles against Villanova, um, which I was surprised by. I, I thought he he would have um, eaten JRE alive, but it, it was the other way. He he got in his head early, and Nate was just – talk about another guy that was forcing things around the rim um, – he just never could get comfortable. And he got called for that offensive foul. And he, like, had to restrain himself from, like, hucking the ball. I don't know if you picked up on that.
0: Yeah, I, he, like, I mean.
1: He, like, perfect, like, chuck the ball at JRE. He was so pissed at him. Yeah, but, I, uh, but yeah, but the, the good news is, defensively, I think they're finding their rhythm again. they hold two very good perimeter teams to under 30% from three. Um, so, I think that's a welcome sign when you're looking, you know, towards the rest of the season here.
2: Yeah. And I mean, this is like the Alan Breed fan show here, but like, he's also, he's also great defensively, like Villanova exposed him a little bit. Um, and I thought that this was really smart by right uh, kind of posting him up down low. Um, Cause he, he doesn't need to put on, he doesn't need to put on some, some muscle that's fair. He's a freshman. Um, but when he's out on the perimeter, he's guarding people really tight and, not to belabor the point, but it's not like he's guarding Scrubs. He's guarding Zegarowski. He's guarding Gillespie. Guys who have made fools out of a lot of people in the Big East, and he's doing a really nice job of it. So maybe Breed, Breed and Nichols were those missing pieces for us to make, you know, a late-season run as we're um, inclined to see.
1: Yeah, so um, it, anything else that, that stuck out over those two games? I mean, obviously, I, I guess you got that crazy light situation, which – what are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you think that
2: might have hurt Providence? Um, the delay? No. I, I mean, no. What really hurt them is they should have had a six-point lead going into half instead they had a three-point lead. Um, okay.
1: Yeah, everyone's complaining about that one,
2: you know. But why, why, wouldn't, you, why wouldn't you complain? I, I'm, I'm not trying to – like, I, I'm I, – I, this is probably the most positive I've felt about the team, which sounds silly after a 15-point loss than I have all season, the way that they're playing right now, especially when Biden gets healthy. I feel very confident they're going to show out in the last nine games plus Big East tournament. But, like, you can also be critical. That was a really stupid decision to put in a walk-on who hasn't seen time all game or really all season for folks who weren't in foul trouble. And then you get toasted for it. And it's not like Gillespie's a – that was a lucky shot. He's known for being a good three-point shooter. It's just silly to me.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I would have had Duke out there because he only had one foul at the time. Um, but I mean, Reeves and Watson had two. So he took them out, you know, the, the, I, I'm not necessarily fine with it, but I just think it was a good, it was a good design by Jay Wright. You know, last, last play right before the half and good play by Gillespie. I don't know if he doesn't make that if, if the other guys are on the court, uh, he, he came off a screen Got a good look like, I don't know.
2: What about the, like, what about Jair Davis? He's, I think he's healthy to play. He's six, eight, six, nine. Well, that that's a totally different
1: story. I, I don't know why we haven't seen him yet uh, at all. I, I would like to see what he could do. Um, you know, obviously you might not throw him in there against Creighton and Villanova, not playing all year, but um, at some point we got to see what, what we have in Davis. Um so, so, so that's frustrating. So, yeah, I mean, that that that's a separate point. But I don't know. I just felt like if you think that lost them the game, I, no,
2: no, I don't, I don't, th- I don't think it did. But like, it did give them momentum going into half. Um, and it's always nice to see a somebody like Gillespie. Like you see a shot go in, makes the next couple shots easier to go in as well. So I just thought it was it. it like you said, it's a small play. I don't think it uh, determined the outcome, but it's a lot easier. And you feel a lot better about yourself going into a half up six than up three.
1: Yeah. Uh, And then I I think the frustrating part was, um, you know, Villanova gets a hoop um, to cut it to a three-point game right before the half. We can hold for the last shot. We take a shot with about five seconds uh, left in the uh, halftime clock. Um, And and Bree gets fouled, taking the three. He hits all three free throws. Which you love to see, and then to turn around and give that up. Yeah, definitely deflating a little bit for sure. But I don't know. I I think it was just the turnover. And they had a ton of turnovers in the first half too. It wasn't like I, I believe they had nine uh in the first half and then finished with nineteen.
0: Nice.
1: Um I I think what what kept Providence in that game for as long as they were was a lot of those turnovers were dead ball turnovers. Um I, I think Villanova had thirteen points off our turnovers, which is a lot. But when you turn over 19 times, isn't that much? Like, if you think about it, in the grand scheme of things. Um, So, I think PC got bailed out by the fact that a lot of their turnovers were dead ball turnovers. Similar with Nova, too, though. They had a lot of dead ball turnovers. Travels, offensive fouls, with the hooks, uh, they they got called for a few of those. Um, You know, guys stepping out of bounds, stuff like that. Um, Which, you know... if Nova got out in a break, I mean, this could be like a twenty-five point loss. You know. Yeah, I hear so, you. So I, I think they kind of lucked out there. They got to take care of the ball better, and I think a lot of that will hinge on the fact of what do we get when Jared Biden does return from a groin injury.
2: So, do you want to talk? Do you want to talk about where we see the uh, the lineup moving forward?
1: Yeah, I mean. Um, Let's, let's not first,
2: even the not even the lineup, but the rotation.
1: Yeah, um, let's get to that. But first, let's get a word from our sponsor, Anchor, and then we'll be back to talk. Uh, you know, the, the the schedule going forward here in the last nine games of the season, um, where we see you know what, what we think uh, the team will be able to do over those nine games, and then we'll talk. You know, the rotation as well um, as Bynum's. Return should be on the horizon here. So let's get a quick word from our sponsors at Anchor. All right, welcome back to the Province Crier Podcast. So, Jared Bynum, um, he's missed the last four games, I want to say?
2: Yeah, three, right? three or four, something like that. He hasn't played since Creighton, so yeah. Yeah, so. The first Creighton uh, game.
1: You know, he gets hurt against Creighton uh, on a play – which I thought should have been an offensive foul on Marcus Zagorski, but it's neither here nor there. Um, injuries is growing, obviously. Bree thrust in the rotation, didn't work out the first two games, but the last two games have been awesome. Um, but uh, Bynum, I believe he practiced before the Villanova game. I believe he practiced before the Creighton game too, so you know he's close. Um, you know, Coolie's been on the record of saying he doesn't want to rush it which is understandable because you know you strain the groin and then you try to push yourself too hard you could lead to a tear and that would be your season so um but I would have to think if he doesn't return on on Wednesday against Marquette um he's coming back for that Georgetown game and now you got to kind of think of what the rotation should look like going forward um now me and you, we floated this idea in our, in our text group. Uh, I think you and I are both totally sold on it, and you wrote about it in your uh, recap of the Villanova game. When Bynum returns, thoughts on a rotation of Bynum at the one, Breed at the two, uh, moving Duke to the three, and then going Nichols and Watson, uh, and then having A.J. come off the bench. Um I think it's good for a few reasons. One, you've seen Breed's ability to attack the basket uh, and the way he's played, like he's earned to stay in the lineup for sure. Um, And that's something, and I think it gives you a little bit better defensively, you know, Reeves, his defense, he's not been known for his defense. I'll say he's a better defender than people give him credit for, I think, but Having said that, I do think Breed is a better perimeter defender. Um, and I, I think you he could help Reeves out, like, honestly. Like, I think if you had him come off the bench as the sixth man, as like a spark plug scorer off the bench, maybe that gets him back into his rhythm. Um, I feel like he gets all these minutes and he's just comfortable with all these minutes. And it's like, okay, I, I'll get mine like occasionally if he had more of a sense of urgency, okay, I have less minutes to go out and do what I do, um, but I'm still getting good enough minutes where I can still get into a rhythm in the game. I think that could maybe fix uh, his offensive woes of last, you know, a year plus now.
2: Yeah. I am. Um, I'm all on board. I think regardless of, um, regardless of whenever Bynum comes back, when he does come back, just because he's healthy doesn't mean you have to put Breed on the bench. You can play them both together uh, in the starting lineup. It'll make the offense flow more efficiently. The ball won't the ball will stick to people. it will be a quicker, fast-paced offense, which will help uh, – which will definitely help out Duke. Um, and, you know, more importantly, Breed has earned the right to start. Um, the past two games, Reeves has totaled seven points. And, uh, you know, maybe we're just – due to his recruiting ranking – we all expect a lot more from him. Um, and then when you see him hit clutch shot after clutch shot, you're like, Oh, why can't you do this all the time? But, you know, maybe, maybe that's just what we expected is never going to happen. And that's completely fine. He can still be a very, uh, very much a weapon uh, off the bench, like a spark plug off the bench, nailing threes. Um, and maybe there won't be so much pressure on him. So I think moving forward, ever Bynum's healthy. You have to run with Bynum at the point, read at the two spot. They could be co-point guards duke at the three wing spot and then nichols as like the hybrid small ball four and then watson as the true five and i think that right now um assuming bynum's healthy is probably the best lineup which is why i'm so cautiously optimistic for the rest of the season and then you have coming off the bench you have croswell and uh reeves i think get I, I say it again uh To to be honest, I think he should be seeing spot minutes. I know you probably did that on purpose. I know what you're doing. Um, I think Cooley tends to – I think Cooley tends to uh, be more effective as a coach when he has a shorter rotation. So I would try and stick with a seven-man rotation and give Gant and Horkler spot spot minutes. I think Gant
1: has got to be more
2: consistent. That's really his issue. I mean, he – well, he just – It seems like he's like uh, the punching bag for Cooley. It seems like he has such a – and rightly so. He's been turning the ball over like crazy, and he's been a little bit lackadaisical on defense. But it seems like he has the shortest leash with Cooley. And it seems like every single time he makes a mistake, he looks over at the bench to see if he's getting pulled. So maybe he just needs some – like, maybe it's just not his year. He's not there yet, which is fine. He's only a sophomore. The seven-man rotation that I just mentioned, if you can run those guys for the majority of the game – best chance that we have to make a little bit of a run heading into, uh, March Madness.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, don't write off Horkler either. Uh, you know, he, he, he's come up like he he hasn't been consistent either. Uh, he's been probably a disappointment. I think overall, you know, going into the year, we thought, you know, we're getting a guy that would crush the glass, would be able to, to stretch out the floor and hit some threes. Um, it hasn't really been that for him, but um, I don't know. I I, I think he's an interesting player. I wouldn't rule him off just yet, but you know, you might be right. Maybe the shorter rotation uh, would be better for the Friars, but um, yeah. I mean, so now And one, one one more note about Bynum's return would be, you know, with a groin injury, I'm kind of thinking to myself, he's been practicing So, I think really it's just the lateral movement playing defense. Um, So, I'm wondering now, maybe with all this time off, maybe Bynum's found his shot again. Um, He was a disaster from three.
2: uh, The the tinfoil hat is coming out for Mike here.
1: I guess. But, dude, like he shot 34% from three his freshman year at uh, St. Joe's. So – and like, he he was a decent shooter. Like, so I don't know. Maybe the time off. Maybe he's been working on his jumper a little bit.
2: Well, the it's a good point. And you know, there everybody on the court. If you run with that lineup, probably is going to get better looks because there's three guys who can really handle the ball on the court. We haven't been able to say that that often. And you no. look at a team. You look at a team like Nova and Creighton who have at all times. Four guys on the court who can handle the ball really effectively, maybe even five sometimes, um, and it just leads to a really like aesthetically pleasing offense where the guys who are getting shots they're really nice looks. Like, no matter like you could complain about Duke's struggles, but a lot of his shots are contested and they're not easy looks, and it's because our offense isn't manufacturing good looks. We need we need more ball handlers to. Uh, put some pressure on the defense because a lot of times in our current lineups, it's almost like the ball stops with one person and then the defense gets to reset and get comfortable. That won't happen if we have those three guys in the lineup. At least that's what I hope.
1: For sure. So you're looking at the last nine games of the season, obviously, uh, you know, it starts off with Marquette, Friars got Marquette at home on Wednesday, 7 p.m. CBS Sports Network. Um, You know, Marquette's coming off a loss to Nepal, uh on Saturday. Um, and, you know, also well, we're starting to get the, the, the bubble talk and all that, and this appears to be a matchup of, of two teams. I, I think one will end up making the field and, and one won't. So um, really important for the Friars to get this one. But I think they will. I, I think, you know, they leave their road trip with more positives than negatives. Um, I think they're frustrated with the way the second half went. Um, and and I think they're going to take that frustration out on Marquette. I really do. I, I think they're going to smack Marquette uh, at home. But um, we'll see. But um, But, yeah, so nine games left. That's obviously the first one. What do you see – as like a potential record, kind of looking down the line, what what would they need to do uh, in order to get kind of back in the NCAA conversation here?
2: Yeah. So just for the folks listening, we, we took some notes before this about the remaining games. So you have Marquette, you have Georgetown, you have Seton Hall, you have St. John's twice. You have UConn twice. You have DePaul again and Xavier again, and the Nova game hasn't yet been scheduled. Jay Wright insinuated after the game that that may not happen because they've missed so many games. So we have nine games remaining. Um, I think best case scenario, looking at those games, I think the best case is we go seven and two in those nine games, which gets us to 15 and nine. And I think we'll be comfortably, uh, or somewhat comfortably in realistically, I think we go six and three. Um, the the back half of this schedule is a lot easier than what we've faced thus far. Um, So I, I, I see either seven and two and six and three, I think if, and six and three gets us to 14 and 10, if you go five and four, you're at 13 and 11 and probably have to win a couple games in the biggest tournament, which none of us want to experience. So I think six wins over the next nine games is six wins is the magic number, in my opinion. Um, the thing, the thing that's really scary, dude, is tomorrow we could find out that somebody on our team has COVID, and we're we're screwed for we're gonna miss three or four games. And we right now we have to have a, like a really clean bill of health, both injury wise and with COVID, because we need all these remaining games.
1: Dude, you bring up a good point. Not only a player can get COVID on the team, but like other teams get COVID yeah. and you miss those games can't really control that. And then you bring up the big East tournament in terms of like damage, you know, work to do once you get there, is there going to be a big East tournament?
2: You don't, (laughs) you don't know. We don't
1: know uh, for a fact, you know, you you look at the A-10, for example, they came out the other day and announced that they wouldn't be having their A-10 tournament at Barclays. um, And that they would do it at one of the, the, the schools, uh, on-site arenas. Um, So that's interesting. I I think the hope is that these conferences would get these tournaments in, especially in a year like this where you have less games and less time to prove your worth. Um, I I think the NCAA's goal is definitely to get uh, conference tournament games in. At the same time, their biggest goal is to get March Madness in. (laughs) So... So you kind of got to think about that. And unfortunately, you know, province puts themselves in a hole again, um, you know, by, by, by the start of the season that they've had and while, yes, they have a lot of road games down the stretch here. Um, they certainly have teams on there. That I think they can beat, obviously. I think they'll beat Marquette. I think they'll go to Georgetown and win, um, You would think they would have to sweep St. John's. That's a scary team to me just because of, you know, we split with them last year, right? Um, We've struggled against Mike Anderson style uh, teams in the past. You look at that NIT game where he came in uh, with his Arkansas team, his last year at Arkansas, and smoked us. Um, And they got an interesting team. They got a lot of dudes. Uh, They don't play D, but they're very up and down. Um
2: I so if you're but, looking so when that I that scares me. So when I said seven and two, this is how I broke it out.
1: Right. Um, Imagine there has to be some sweeps here.
2: Yeah, so we beat Marquette, we beat Georgetown, we lose, we lose to Seton Hall, which is two and one, we beat St. John's three and one. We lose we we split with UConn. So we go three and two and then four and two. We beat DePaul five and two, beat Xavier six and two and then the second win against St. John's so seven and two. Realistically, I think we drop one of those. Um, I don't know who it would be. Uh, maybe one against St. John's to get to six and three, but I, 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 I could see six and three being realistic and seven and two not completely unrealistic.
1: Oh, so they technically have 10 games left. It's just the Villanova games alone.
2: Well, I yeah, they, I, I was just – because Jay Wright said after the game that he doesn't know if we're, they're going to be able to yeah. reschedule that. So I was just looking at the schedule of what we have now, and there's nine games. If we do get Villanova, um, it'll be at our place, and it'll be towards the back – obviously the end of the regular season. So there's potential for ten games. Right now we have nine on the schedule.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it'll be interesting. I, I wonder if –
2: because
1: couldn't they technically still – schedule a non-conference game if they wanted to. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Like, I I think six and three is doable for sure. Um, but, I mean, these games are never easy, man.
0: <laughs>
1: no. That's just the way it is in the Big East. Um, and, you know, the biggest thing that, that hurts you is, like, other seasons we knew, like, if you had 20 wins – uh, playing in the Big East, you're probably going to get into the term, right? Um, if you have a winning record in, in the Big East, good chance you position yourself to be in the tournament. This year with COVID and the condensed schedule and all that, you really don't know uh, what it will take to get in. And you look at the bubble this year, like the Big Ten's loaded with with a lot of good teams. Um, they're going to be beating up on each other. So that will put – I, I think this bubble will be pretty competitive this year. So, I don't know. It makes me nervous, but um, I, I think this team needs to get to the tournament, man. Like, you have two, like, star players in David Duke and Nate Watson. Like, those guys got to get um, a taste of the NCA's, especially Duke. Like, if Duke leaves after this year for the NBA, like,
2: no tournaments with Duke and your team, how, how does that happen? Uh, don't get me started on that, man. Let's 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 take this game by game. I am one of the highest rated recruits we've ever landed, and we can't get get uh, NCAA tournament win with him. Oh, that uh, let's just not. No, to win
1: appearance.
2: Oh, oh my, yeah. Let's just not go down that road yet, please. All right,
1: all right, fair. But uh, but yeah, um, you know, I, I want to say, I think I would be more comfortable saying six and three for sure, as opposed to seven and two. Um, and then, you know, whatever happens to that Villanova game. Cause yeah, Villanova only has five conference games in the book so far and they're five and zero. Um, so, you know, I, I think they pretty much. Obviously they didn't clinch yet, but I feel like they pretty much clinched at this point yeah. uh, being five and zero, You know, we've seen Creighton struggle lately, although they, they did get a nice win against UConn on Saturday. Um, yeah, maybe seen Hall makes a run, but I don't know. I, I think at this point, Villanova at five and zero has put themselves in a prime position to just run away with this conference. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Uh, what we'll preview uh, for the Marquette game? Obviously, um, we'll get some other stuff out there. Any, any last thoughts from you?
2: No, we'll just go. Uh, let's go two and zero this upcoming week and uh, keep plugging away. The typical cool yeah, we'll, we'll,
1: we'll take it week by week. You know, don't ask don't ask Coach K to take it week by week. Um,
2: yeah. what a uh, <laughs> that poor that poor student reporter. Oh my god. Like and that's also like you get we can be upset about we can be upset about Providence thus far, but like imagine being a fan of dutton and Kentucky right now. Like you oh, have to be at yeah. they have more they have more talent on their rosters than ninety-nine point nine percent of all other college teams and they're have a losing record, or they're five hundred. Like so, I guess yeah, Duke's five and five,
1: and Kentucky's five and nine.
2: <laughs> so it's like things things could. It just shows co- winning in college basketball is hard, and we have to remember that, especially in a weird season like COVID. So this is probably the most optimistic I've ever been on a pod, and so hopefully that is a good sign for things to come. Yeah, for sure.
1: Uh, yeah, Coach K man, I. I told I, I've said before I, I'm just sick of the old man boys' league that is some of these coaches with. You know him, behind like, uh, like just just hang him up, boys. Like, yeah, you're a run, all right. Like, this is getting ridiculous. Like, that was absurd. Like, what's your major? Like, what's your hardest test? <laughs> like, what? I actually, I got a good laugh. At, um, Mark Titus <laughs> uh, responded with like a quote for the student should have been like. Yeah, uh, typically uh, I go get drunk and play video games until my eyes bleed. <laughs> Maybe you should
2: try <laughs> that. <going. laughs> uh, no, but like man. the the poor, like the poor, the poor kid probably was terrified when he was like when he answered back to him directly, and it's just like you know it's probably the kid's like first second time ever, like ever interviewing uh, post game, and he's probably terrified as is asking the question like it probably took him 30 seconds to build up the courage to ask a question. And then he just gets eviscerated by coach K. It's like, come on, man. Just, just yeah. imagine, the imagine
1: if that Providence student reporter that, that asked uh, Reeves that, that like that question where he was like, yeah, you basically sucked all year. So uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, imagine God. that.
1: Happen. Oh boy. All right. Well, that wraps up another episode. Um, you know, the last, I, I will say the last few weeks have been kind of crazy with our work schedules kind of, trying to carve time but we will be better with that and uh we'll be getting stuff out to you on the, on the site and on the pod as well all right have a good one Fire John.
0: nice thanks guys school. man up in my city i the truth yeah david duke when i by the hoop over i might you sleeping on me well let's take them back to school you see, you know we on go, ayy Call like AJ Reeves when I'm off that pick and roll, ayy Fall down, bounce back like M.A.H.O., ayy I'm the alpha dog, D.I.L.O., They was sleeping on me, that's what made me a savage Any team so we bump into, we gon' let them have it, They don't want no static, we at the top just like the attic This year, we taking over March Madness Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah Go. Man up in my city on the floor.